Hey, Village Church, Pastor Michael here with you. Welcome to Village Church Online. Now, like many of you, we are just figuring things out as we go. I'm used to preaching to real-life people in our sanctuary and opening up God's Word with you. So we have built kind of a makeshift studio in the church so that we could bring God's Word to you online. So we thought we'd do is just give you a little behind-the-scenes sneak peek into what's actually happening right here. Uh, I want to take on a little tour. The first is what I call the glory of God covering me. Uh, this is actually um, so that you don't have to look at the glare of light in my glasses. You're welcome. Uh, but as I'm preaching to you, it just sits in my peripheral vision the whole time. And these are our lovely lights. And uh, every single week they match the color of our sermon slides. Uh, if you've never seen a boom mic before, this is capturing all of our vocals. And uh, without this, I sound really distant and far away. Now, uh, I got to actually get centered. There's tape on the ground so we get the right shot. Uh, check out this picture I took earlier. Uh, this is what I see uh, when I'm preaching to you. Uh, two awesome men behind the camera and the sound, Pastor Matt and Brian Papik. And uh, they take all of this, put it together so that we can have God's word and worship together every single week. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take about one millisecond. I'm going to snap my fingers and we're going to jump into the sermon. Ready? Hey, and just like that, we are back. Thank you for going on that behind the scenes tour uh, of our Village Church online, at least in the studio side of things. And if you do me a favor, would you open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 8? The title of this message is, How Do I Know When I Am Dealing With a Hard Heart? Uh, one of the dominant themes of the book of Exodus is the hard heart of Pharaoh towards Yahweh. Now, if we're being really honest, all of us can relate to these times and seasons where our heart has been hard to either God or our spouse or our kids or our parents or our siblings or our friends. And if we're honest, we're just not proud. Uh, there are a few circumstances that come to my mind where I deep down inside knew that I was wrong, but I stood my ground. I fought. Uh, something came over me and I'm not proud of it. And as I look back with a clear head, it's like, you know what? That is not who I want to be. And I think we all have these experiences. So let's take a moment and discuss some indicators of a hard heart. Number one is ignoring the obvious. When truth is so clearly in front of you, all of the data points in the same direction. And maybe you're just too proud to admit it. Maybe you've just dug in a little bit too far and you keep digging in, even though deep down inside, there is this voice that is still there that tells you, you know, you're wrong. Uh, here's the second indicator, illogical anger. So somebody might share something with you that is hard and rather than listening or being at peace, you respond in anger. How dare you? If you find yourself responding in illogical anger, then probably there is a hard heart brewing inside of you. Here's a third one. I'm going to make up a word. I call it principleless obstinance. Uh, principleless obstinance is the spirit that is just, I refuse to comply for no reason other than because. Uh, there's no principle that it's rooted in. So, for example, uh, if the government comes to me and says, Michael, deny Jesus, I'm going to say, no, my principle is that Jesus is my God. I'm going to be obstinate based in principles. Uh, but when your heart is hard, you're just obstinate, and sometimes there's just no reason. When somebody asks you, um, why, are you why are you so angry right now, uh, your response might be, because uh, there's no real reason. If you find yourself there, your heart might be growing hard. Here's a fourth indicator. 
inappropriate defense mode. Like somebody's not even attacking you, or maybe somebody brings something up and then automatically you just go into this kind of really energized defense of your position. And probably deep down inside, your heart is telling you, why why are you so feisty over this? Why can't you just listen and hear their perspective? Uh, The indicators of a hard heart are all around us. And all of these have one really big thing in common. They are enemies to authentic and healthy relationships. When you find that a hard heart is brewing inside of you, whether it's to God or to your spouse or to your family or your friends, your hard heart is going to be an enemy to an authentic and real relationship. Uh, Hard hearts result in behaviors that just cripple loving, honest, healthy, God-glorifying connections and relationships. Let's talk about the converse side of this. Let's talk about soft heart indicators. Uh, Rather than ignoring the obvious, here's what a soft heart does. A soft heart practices active listening. Uh, It actually pays attention. Uh, It repeats what it hears to make sure that it's hearing the other person correctly. Uh, it's, It's not all just up in arms. It's not ignoring obvious facts. When it sees data and trends and themes, it leans into them and it wants to understand what they really indicate and mean. Here's the second indicator of a soft heart. Rather than illogical anger, uh, the person with a soft heart has supernatural peace. I'll tell you why. Because we believe in the gospel and the gospel already declares to you that you and I are sinners who've fallen short of the glory of God. So when somebody comes to you and addresses a problem, well, the gospel already tells us that that's actually probably a very high possibility. And so we lean in and we listen, but we do this with a spirit of peace, knowing that the gospel tells us we're sinners and the blood of Christ covers our sin and the Holy Spirit helps us overcome our sin. Here's a third indicator of a soft heart. Rather than principleless obstinance, we call this vulnerable flexibility. Meaning that as you listen and you listen with peace, you may not know where the conversation is going, but you're open. And honestly, the entire process of having hard conversations with people that would typically harden your heart, uh, you open yourself up to the possibility that you could be wrong. There could be blind spots. And that's, that's a really vulnerable place to be. And as the recipient sometimes of hearing hard things, you have to be willing to go wherever the data and information lead you, even if it's not where you ever thought it would lead you. Here's the fourth indicator of a soft heart. Instead of inappropriate defense mode, we practice honest self-evaluation. When it's all said and done, we take a good, hard look at ourselves for who we are, the good, and maybe the not so good. We have supernatural peace. We have vulnerable flexibility. We've listened really well. And this is the kind of thing that a soft heart does. And here's what soft hearts do. They foster authentic and healthy relationships. Now, here's what we're going to find. We've already seen this. We're going to continue to see this week after week after week in the plagues. Pharaoh's heart is hardened to Yahweh. Uh, It doesn't matter what evidence is put in front of him. He is defensive. He is argumentative. His heart is closed down to hearing and believing and submitting to the truth of who Yahweh truly is. Now, last week we talked about idols, and I want to remind you of the definition of an idol. We talked about an idol is when a good thing or a bad thing, it becomes an ultimate thing. And when it becomes an ultimate thing, that's when it becomes an idol. And here's what we need, we've learned from Pharaoh and all of Scripture about idolatry. Idolatry, idols, will always harden your heart to God eventually. 
Uh, idols are profoundly dangerous for the human soul. Our soul is designed to love and to worship one God and only him and to allow nothing to replace them as preeminent in our life. And the moment we substitute him, even just for a little bit, and we put anything in its place, anything in God's place, when anything other than him becomes an ultimate thing, that idol will eventually slowly, sometimes quickly harden our hearts towards our God. And that is exactly what has happened with Pharaoh. So open up your Bibles, Exodus chapter 8. We left chapter 7. Uh, the text said that Pharaoh's heart was profoundly hard to Yahweh. He is obstinate. He is ignoring um, the plague right in front of him. His people are suffering for an entire week. God leaves him alone. He leaves God alone. And finally, Moses and Aaron, they show up again. Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, listen to God's words, I will plague your country with frogs. Now, uh, let's get a little background on frogs in Egypt. In fact, frogs had a very divine nature to them. Uh, the frog was a symbol of divine power and of fertility. Uh, the name of their god was Hecate, the frog god of Egypt. Hecate had a, a female body with a frog head. And Hecate's job was to restrain the frog population because it could grow out of the Nile River so quickly. And they worshipped Hecate. And now watch what happens? Verse 3 says this, The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your, into your bedrooms and on your bed. Like, like God's pretty detailed here. And into, your, into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. I mean, this is a really profound reminder that the discipline of God will make its way into every part of your life if you remain hard-hearted to him. Verse 4 says, The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, and make frogs come up from the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and they covered the land of Egypt. Uh, here's the implication. Just as we saw last week, that Yahweh slayed Hapi, H-A-P-I, the Nile River God, and turned the Nile from water to blood. Now what we are seeing is God, Yahweh, the I Am, has also now slayed Hecate, the frog God. And has slayed him, and now Hecate is no longer able to restrain the population of the frogs, and they are taking over the entire land of Egypt. Yahweh is making a profound declaration. It doesn't matter what false gods you throw at me. I am the I am, the only God. I am the all-powerful, sovereign, and Pharaoh. There is nothing you or your magicians or your gods can throw at me to stop me. Watch what happens here in verse 7. But the magicians... They did the same by their secret arts, and they made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Now, as we said last week, we don't really need to be concerned about this because we already know that there is something in this world called dark arts or dark magic, and it is a knockoff, replicate, small, finite version of the power of God. Uh, it taps into the demonic realm, and it is a very real thing. But it is incomparable to the majesty and the glory and the power of God. 
And so here's what we find. We find that they're able to replicate this plague to a very small degree. But I want to remind you, it is not their ability to replicate God's miracles to small degrees that is the issue. It is their inability to reverse the problem, to reverse the plague. Only Moses and Yahweh can do that. Verse 8, here's what happens. Pharaoh is done. He's toast. He's had it. He is at the end of himself, and he says this. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and Aaron, and he said, Plead with thee I am to take away the frogs from me and from my people. And, and listen to this commitment. I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. I mean, finally, if you're Moses and Aaron, you're like, look, Pharaoh gets it. Pharaoh finally is conceding. Yahweh, the I am, is the ultimate true God. If you're Moses and Aaron in this moment, there's probably even this thought like, what if, what if Pharaoh becomes a worshiper of I am? Verse nine uh, in the English Standard Version, which is what I'm teaching from, it's a little confusing. So I'm going to read it first in the English Standard Version, and then I'm going to read it in the NIV, which I think helps us understand it a little bit more clearly. Verse nine, Moses says to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. Um, here's how the NIV puts it, and I think it's a little bit more clear. I leave to you, Pharaoh, the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people, that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Basically, here's what he's saying. Pharaoh. I really appreciate that you want all the frogs gone. I appreciate that you've made a commitment to let our people go. So really, ball's in your court. I'll go ask God to get all the frogs out of everywhere except for the Nile. You just tell me when you're going to let the people go, and I'll go pray, and that's when it'll happen. And so verse 10, he says this, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we'll do it tomorrow. Let's get this thing done as soon as we can. Moses said, be it as you say. Listen to this. So that... You may know there is no one like the I am, our God. I mean, why, why is God doing all this? God is making a powerful point to Pharaoh. I am the I am. I am the only one. All of your other gods, Pharaoh's now realizing they're just kind of fake. They're not able to actually fulfill their promises. They're underperforming. And he's realizing that there actually is one ultimate supreme power. It's the I am. And if there is any magic or dark arts in this world, um, all of it is God's power at the end of the day, though perverted. And so here's, here's kind of what Pharaoh is coming to the conclusion of. There is one God. It's the God of the Hebrews, the slave people. And this God is more powerful than any God he has ever encountered in his entire life. And you would think in this moment that with all of the data points surrounding Pharaoh, that he would humble his heart to Yahweh. Verse 12 says, So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And look at verse 13. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. Uh, in chapter 7 and 8, this word just keeps coming up. And Village Church, friends who are watching this, I want to just take a moment. I want to encourage you. Uh, rebellion stinks, and it makes everyone's life difficult. This is actually one of the hardest things for people to hear, but 
Uh, there's this sense that we want the freedom to rebel. We want the freedom to do our own thing. We want the freedom to make our own decisions. Uh, but, be, but behind everyone's rebellion, there are consequences. And the consequences aren't just you. It's other people who have to clean up messes and whose hearts are broken over it. And, and Pharaoh's obstinate and hard heart is impacting so many people. And this is just a reminder that when any person in any semblance of a community or family rebels against God, uh, the effects of it are on everybody. And this is sort of a plea. Um, let's humble our hearts before the Lord, because to rebel against him is going to make the land, our community, our family, our friendships stink. It is not good. Watch Pharaoh's foolish response in verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, that life got easier. The frogs went away and he just thought to himself, all right, this is okay. He hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And because he hardened his heart, the plagues are going to keep going. And there's another one on top of this. It's the gnats. Listen to what happens in verse 16. So the I am says to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff, strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of the earth. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff, struck the dust of the earth. <clears throat> there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in the land of Egypt. We don't know exactly what kind of gnats these were. We know, though, that they affected everything living and that they were everywhere and they are so inconvenient. Like if you've ever been outside in the heat of summer and the mosquitoes all over you, it's terrible. This is that 100x. And then here come the magicians again. And I think this is actually one of the neatest parts of the story. Verse 18, the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Yes, their magic is real, but it is limited. It's so small compared to the power of God. It's a, like a whippersnapper, a little tiny firecracker next to an A-bomb. There's no comparison. Yeah, there's both energy in each of them, but one is so small. It's just no, no comparison. Verse 19, listen to what the magicians say. Finally, the magicians realize they've got no more tricks up their sleeve. And they say this to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, this this is the finger of God. And then Pharaoh's response is just so heartbreaking. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Are you beginning to see a pattern? Like Pharaoh's heart is unable to see data, truth, people who are actually saying things to, per, to prevent more trouble in his life. A hard heart is not becoming on anybody. It stinks and it ruins everyone's life around us. Uh, there's another plague. This is the flies. Verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me or else. If you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. It's like, come on, Pharaoh, what is wrong? I'm telling you what is wrong with Pharaoh is a hard heart. Pharaoh has hardened his heart. Pharaoh's heart is just so oblivious and, and, and resistant to truth and to love and to honesty and to data and to other people. And he's just digging in. 
there's a subtle shift in the narrative. And verse 22 goes on to tell us that um, now the plagues are no longer going to affect the people of God. They're only going to affect the Egyptians. And God's just saying, listen, this is my special group of people. I love them. And they're going to be prevented from actually being affected negatively by any of these plagues. We finally find is this, is Pharaoh concedes. In verse 30, it says this, Moses went out from Pharaoh and he prayed to the I am. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies and Pharaoh from Pharaoh and from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. And you would think at this point, like this is the fourth plague. This is the third time that Pharaoh has said, okay, I'll let the people go. And here's what it says. Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Is there anybody in your life that you're thinking about that just has a hard heart, obstinate, ignores the obvious truth? Maybe it's, maybe it's you. Maybe you're watching this or listening to this and you're realizing that you and Pharaoh have a lot in common. Well, as we get to the end, I want to share with you a few so what's. And I think as we reflect on the nature of a hard heart, um, we have to really be encouraged and remember a few important details. And so maybe right now your heart is hard, or maybe this is a message you just need to be reminded of because maybe in the near future, your heart is going to grow hard to God or to somebody else in your life. So here's a few things for you. Here's the first. You cannot play games with Yahweh. I, I don't know what Pharaoh's relationship was like with the Egyptian gods, but apparently he was pretty confident that he could ignore their threats, manipulate them, uh, negotiate with them, control them. And they're just small, miniature, weak versions of God. In fact, they're not even real. They're just demons. These Egyptian gods, they're just demons masquerading as gods. And you can negotiate with demons, but you can't negotiate with God. And so here's one of the hard lessons that Pharaoh is having to learn is Yahweh is just unlike any other God he has ever encountered in his life. In fact, what Yahweh wants is less transactions and more relationship, but, but Pharaoh can't get his head around the nature, the character, the motivations of this God, and, and it's so different than anything he's ever seen before. And so he has this hubris inside of him, probably from his experience with false gods, that he can make a promise, he can make a commitment, and then just bow out on it. In fact, a couple times, Moses calls him a cheater for committing to do one thing and not following through and doing it. Moses knows the nature of the I am of Yahweh. He knows you don't mess with him. And Pharaoh is going to be learning this lesson in a very, very difficult way. But I want, to, I want to encourage you. You cannot play games with Yahweh. All these weird notions of God that we bring to the table when we think about God, he is not one that plays games with us. He is not one that negotiates us. And he's not one that we can control. His word is final. And when he says, do it, we do it. And our hearts, we just have to protect our hearts from growing hard to him because everything he will ever call us to do or ask us to do is for our good and for our thriving, for our flourishing and for our life. Here's the second. So what? The harder the heart, the more difficult the softening. This on a personal level um, over the years has been really hard for me to see. Um, people I've loved, family members, etc., have had incredibly hard hearts to God or to other people. And, and so here's what you just find. Um, you find that the harder the heart, the longer and more difficult the process is of softening most of the time. And this is excruciating, and you just want to plead with people, don't ignore the data, don't ignore the evidence, don't ignore the signs, don't ignore the word of God, soften your heart to the Lord, listen to him, be humble. He loves you, it's for your good, and, and it's really, really hard to watch hard hearts, especially people in our community or that we love. Now, what we find in the book of Exodus is that there's this back and forth. 
um, who hardened Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes the text says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Sometimes the text says that Yahweh hardened his heart. And really, here's the answer. Pharaoh's heart, because of his idol worship, was hard to God. And God did intervene and harden his heart. But I want to make it clear. Um, when God hardens Pharaoh's heart, it doesn't mean it's hardened forever and always. And when someone's heart is hardened, even when the heart is hardened by God, because maybe we make a decision and God gives us over to that hard heart, there is always the ability to overcome a hard heart and to submit to Yahweh. And, and Pharaoh is ultimately 100% responsible. Even if God gave him over to his hard heart, Pharaoh will stand before Yahweh one day on the day of judgment and be fully responsible. And I think intuitively most of you know this. You know that even in your hardest moments, even in the moments where you are just the most obstinate and resistant and defensive, you know deep down inside that little voice is still there that says, you're wrong. Just say it. Just own it. Now's the time. That voice is still there. Encouragement. So what? Number three, soften your heart to Yahweh. Soften your heart. Listen to him. He loves you. He is for you. He does not want to have a transactional, negotiating, game-playing relationship with you. He wants to adopt you and call you his son or daughter. Uh, no Egyptian God has ever given his life for the people of Egypt, but Yahweh, the I Am, has given his life through Jesus Christ for his people. No Egyptian God would take the punishment of their sins on themselves, but God, Yahweh, did. Yahweh took the punishment for our sins on Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, on his body, soul, and emotions. I want to just look at you and say, some of you, your heart has been so hard to God because of something someone did to you or letdowns or unmet expectations or fear or hurt. I mean, the list, the catalyst for your hard heart could be so many different things. Uh, but I want to encourage you in this moment, soften your heart to God because he loves you, because he loves you and he wants to forgive you and he wants to give life to you. Your hard heart, and I think you know this from experience, your hard heart doesn't do anything to foster relationship, health, connection, authenticity. In fact, what your hard heart is doing, not just for the people around you, but to, to God, it's making a healthy relationship feel almost impossible. But thankfully, God gives us always the opportunity to repent, and he always offers help through the Holy Spirit. So maybe today you're a Christian, but your heart is hard. Your heart is hard because of unmet expectations, and I want to encourage you, confess that, bring it before the Lord, soften your heart. Maybe your heart is hard to God and you have never believed. And I want to encourage you today, would you soften your heart and trust in Christ? I want to read you a passage from the book of Hebrews. It says this, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, speaking of the rebellion of the Israelites in the wilderness. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Follow him. And the way we have a soft heart to God is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. If that's a decision you want to make today, we'd love to come alongside of you and support you and resource and help you. And so if that's a decision you make today, would you follow up with us? Would you contact, contact us so we can uh, encourage you and give you the resources that you need to take a next step? Uh, Village Church, we want to be a people who have a soft heart to God. When our hearts are soft to God, our relationship with him flourishes and thrives. When our hearts are hard to God or other people, all of the relationships are intertwined and they just struggle. And so let's be a people who come to the Lord and to our other relationships with a soft, 
tender heart for the glory of God so that we can live in authentic and true, flourishing and thriving relationships with God and with one another. Let's pray together. Um, Father, I just confess to you that there are times in my heart has been hard uh, to you and to others, and I'm not proud of that. I know many people, if not most or all, can just identify with that to a degree. Lord, my heart is hard. My brain is honestly pretty delusional. I don't see the world clearly. I don't feel rightly. I don't think in a way that brings you glory. I end up saying things that um, I may even believe in the moment, but I actually don't believe in general. And and God, I know that that is the story of many people who are watching and listening right now. And so I want to thank you for Jesus, for your forgiveness through the shed blood of Christ for anyone who places their faith in him. I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit who just honestly just reminds us, even when our hearts are hard, that we are wrong. We know it deep down inside. I want to thank you for your grace, that your love for us isn't contingent on our performance or our perfection. It's contingent on your commitment and your promise, your covenant through through Jesus Christ. Uh, God, I think about people whose hearts have been hard to you because of stuff done to you. They've yet to believe or trust in you. And, and God, I pray your Holy Spirit, you would just begin to soften and begin to give them eyes to see you, who for you, who, you for who you really are. Lord, you are kind and loving and powerful and majestic, and no one compares to you. We would much rather relate to you like Moses does than Pharaoh does. We would much rather be called a friend of God than receive the plagues of God. And so, Lord, we come to you, and I just pray for my, my friends who have never trusted in you, who are maybe watching and listening, and pray that they would be able to see you, maybe for the first time clearly, for who you really are, and they would place their faith in Jesus. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word, that it just speaks to the most real parts of our lives, even in this day. Uh, we, we love you, and we submit all of this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Village Church, would you continue and worship with us?